Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and this is The Great America Show, and welcome. Great to have you with us. Let's talk about the video of the protests on Capitol Hill on January 6th, the first time the American public has seen video that shows what actually happened that day. Fox's Tucker Carlson given access to the video, which was played for the first time this week, revealing that the Marxist Dems who comprised the January 6th committee lied, distorted, and tried to keep secret what really happened in various areas of the Capitol that day. The Marxist Dems and the deep state still have about 900 American citizens who protested, demonstrated, and yes, some of them rioted on January 6th. The J6 defendants, all of them, locked up in prison cells, many of them malnourished, mistreated, in need of medical care, and denied their rights as American citizens, purposely by the federal government and the Marxist Dems who were in control. The Federal Bureau of Prisons treating those political prisoners brutally, inhumanely, and there seems to be no way to rescue them from the barbaric treatment and confinement that could be expected in a third world capital, but not in Washington, D.C. The FBI, the federal prosecutors, the federal district court judges are politically corrupt, working together to make the hundreds of Americans ensnared in their custody simply their political prisoners, denying them even hope of fairness and crushing their rights as American citizens and making their lives and the lives of their families pure hell. We'll be talking with Defense Attorney Joe McBride. He's representing a number of the J6 defendants, and as you might guess, he is both angry and sickened by what the American government is doing to his clients and all of the January 6 defendants. We're also joined today by Congresswoman Claudia Tenney of New York. She's one of the Republican Party's standout representatives. We'll hear her views on the Marxist left that has overwhelmed the Democrat Party and is aligned with the deep state, the permanent bureaucracy in controlling the federal government and abusing their power without account or consequence. Let's turn first to Attorney Joe McBride. He's fighting the Marxist left's abuse of power almost every day. Some of his clients have been in federal custody for more than two years, some only now going to trial. Joe, welcome back to The Great America Show, and we thank you for all of your all that you're doing. If you would, give us a sense of what's happening in the courts and the prisons in and around Washington, D.C. Thank you very much, Lou. It is always great to be here. Uh, thank you for your continued support. Uh, for the January 6th uh, cause and community at large and for all the great work that you've been doing for all these years. Um, America is still the greatest country in the world. Washington, D.C. is its capital, and it is a cesspool of hatred and disgust. And and right now, 
all of us want to know that there is a way forward here for these people. I know uh, your your client uh, just uh, was found guilty uh, in a trial. Tell us what happened. So Richard Barnett, famously the guy who had his feet up on a desk in Nancy Pelosi's suite of offices, um, we had the trial for it lasted two weeks and one day. That one day was a day of jury deliberation. So the trial itself was a two week trial. We put on a wonderful case. We impeached multiple agents from the FBI. We red handedly caught Speaker Pelosi's number two lying on the stand. Two FBI agents lying, just carpods lying on the stand. Uh, we thought that we had done a great job of beating the majority of the charges, especially uh, some of the less uh, important ones. Be that as it may, after two weeks of trial, the jury deliberated for two hours, which includes the uh, breakfast, coffee, and donuts they had, and they convicted him of every crime charge under the indictment. It's a complete travesty and an injustice. So give us all a sense of what that trial was like. I can't frankly, imagine anyone getting a fair trial for any charge in uh, the D.C. area where Democrats are, what is it, 10 to 1 uh, on voter registration. Uh, It's outrageous. Uh, Give us a sense of what it was like to stand there before that jury and that judge. Make your arguments for your client. Did they sneer? Did Did they just feign disinterest or were they truly uh, yawning through it all? It's a great question. So Washington, D.C., as you've correctly pointed out, 96 percent Biden voters on a normal day. When you factor in President Biden's comments about MAGA Republicans, the January 6th committee, we know that the jury pool was poisoned beyond repair. In terms of jury selection, we had to make an educated guess. Um, You have uh, your D.C. local residents who are largely uh, African-American, and then you have sort of your liberal transplants who are your MSNBC white liberal elite Harvard types. We made a conscious decision to get the latter, the white elite Harvard types off of the jury. And we went with the homegrown DC people thinking, hoping that uh, that community of people would understand what it's like to be targeted, would understand what it's like to experience police brutality, would understand and empathize with the plight of somebody who has the weight of the criminal justice system bearing down upon him in a very unfair way. Uh, The prosecution presented its case in a very materially dishonest way. They impugned everything that Richard Barnett did from November of 2020 all the way through today. They incriminated him for his free speech. Joe? Yes, sir. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm I'm thinking we're in that trial right now. The judge is uh, up uh, on the bench. And, And Joe McBride says, objection. What happened? When, when you did that, when they were carrying on uh, like that? We objected to a lot. Uh, the judge kind of, if this was a boxing match, the judge sort of let the two fighters go at it and, uh, you know, exchange barbs. The problem is, is that when you're fighting against the government, one guy is on steroids and the other guy isn't. So they were uh, they had the full power of the government behind them. And when they get up there and when they lie, um, but they have the gun and the badge or they have, you know, 
all, all the trappings uh, uh, in dressing dressing up of a government agency that you can't possibly outcompete that. They have the air of legitimacy with them, whereas our guy didn't. It was an unfair fight. We even put Richard up there. He got up on the stand. He said, look, I'm stupid. He called himself an effing idiot. He said, hey, listen, there's a lot of things I shouldn't have done that day, but I'm not an insurrectionist. I'm not a terrorist. I'm a guy with a big mouth who came in from Arkansas, said a whole bunch of stupid stuff, and I should have never did it, but I should not go to jail for the next 20 years of my life. They simply did not care. Let me put this in perspective. Amongst all the things that he was charged with, he was also charged with possessing uh, was stealing an envelope from Nancy Pelosi's office. In order for him to be guilty of that charge, they have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he took it with the intent to keep it and steal it, that he took it wrongfully with that criminal intent, and that the the envelope itself had some type of monetary value. Richard bled on the envelope because he was cut. He removed the envelope and he left a quarter for compensation just in case he was accused of stealing it. He went outside on video and he gave this long speech, but in the beginning of the speech, he said, I did not steal this envelope. I took it because I bled on it. And then when he turned himself into the FBI, the first thing he did was hand it to the FBI and say, hey, this was not opened. I never opened it. I kept it because I bled on it. Here you go. That is an absolute defense to theft of the envelope. No value, no criminal intent to keep it. Despite that fact, he even was convicted of stealing the envelope. These people had malice in their hearts. They did not care about him. They did not care about the criminal justice system. They saw the guy who had his feet up on the desk. That guy invaded their hometown, and they wanted him to get convicted. And that's why they convicted him in record time. I have to ask. Did you at any point, when you were sitting in there in what is effectively a kangaroo, I mean, it's more obscene than a, even a kangaroo court, did you ever at some point say to the jury, you're absolutely appalling in your prejudice to the judge, your indifference is suffocating, you might as well be lashing this man uh, you know, with a cat of nine tails instead of cross-examining him in the witness stand. I mean, this isn't American justice, Joe, as you well know. It, it certainly is not, Lou. One of the big problems that they did, we thought it was very, very dishonest. Look, the mask mandate had been dropped in the court, right? But the judge um, gave the jury sort of a, hey, look, you can wear your mask or not wear your mask. So they're in D.C., they all mask up. The entire jury mask up. The prosecution wears its mask. Every time the jury enters the room, they mask up. But when the jury leaves, they all take the mask off. So as far as the, the jury can tell, the prosecution has the mask on. We don't wear our mask because we think that science is garbage. And I told the judge, and I made objections over and over and over and over. Number one, they keep talking about COVID. COVID's got nothing to do with this case. Number two, the fact that these people were wearing masks on, and I can't see their faces, I can't see their facial expressions, it materially prejudices my ability to read the jury. And number three, the fact that this side has no mask and, and, and the other side does have a mask. I mean, this is ridiculous. We're being, we're being impugned here as anti-science, anti-COVID people with a DC jury who's going to hate us for it. So on top of having to fight this very young trial, we had to deal with all that nonsense. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. But what is ridiculous, even more ridiculous to me, uh, and absurd and, and gut-wrenching, is 
of all of the trials that have gone on related to January 6th, how many defendants have been found? What What is the ratio of guilty to not guilty? So there's been a few uh, uh, um, trials, I, I please, over the past few days. But as of last week, from everybody who went to trial, out of 67 trials, 66 convictions, one not guilty. Okay. So, so why isn't somebody saying to the chief justice of the Supreme Court responsible for the administration of the federal court system, chief justice, only, only an evil, incompetent SOB would not look at these conviction rates and say, we are in the wrong jurisdiction and you are running courts that are absolutely biased and un completely uninterested in the Constitution. And that is at best, more likely, perfectly willing to violate every constitutional value in this country. You know, um, we filed a change of venue motions in all of our cases. The vast majority, probably 95%, 99% of everybody who's gone to trial has filed them as well. Um, they did not let us out. Um, you know, D.C. is the place um, where where you get sent to be executed. This is a, a, a thing that's going on right now. They know that if one of these cases gets back to Texas or Louisiana or Florida or one of these home jurisdictions where normal people are, that these guys are going to walk, and they can't afford for that to happen. So what they're doing is they're getting their convictions. They're going to force us to appeal these cases all the way up to the Supreme Court. I actually think that we've done such a good job of preserving the record and fleshing out the constitutional issues in these cases that when we get there, that we can win. But you're talking about... No. Insane amounts of money and time in order for that to happen. So the likelihood of that happening in every case is slim to none because people just don't have it. Joe, when you, when you say that, a court system that will tolerate this conduct by the D.C. Circuit uh, judges, district judges, will tolerate it, just simply bringing the hammer down on the appellate level as well. There is no justice available to these Americans. And we've got to all recognize that, and we've all got to deal with it and figure out a way forward that does not include the judicial system. We've got to have a political solution to this. These people have been in, I'm telling you, I'm telling our audience, I'm, we all know this. These are the forgotten Americans. That's These right. people are simply lost. They are captured by the, the Marxist Dems who are treating them like the enemy. And... God help them. God forgive them. Uh, this is this is intolerable in this country. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Lou. In terms of a political solution, I, I'm, I am of the opinion, and I, I travel in, in, in a lot of circles, and some other smart people, far smarter than me, are of the opinion as well, that if you have, let's say, 25 or 30 red states and these red states just get together and they say, hey, red state number one, I'm going to do business with you, red state number two, three, four, and five. I'm going to give you tax breaks because you see the world the way that I see it. I'm going to give you this and I'm yeah. going to give you that. And all the, all the rest of those communist states, let's not patronize them. Let's not visit them. Let's not do business with them. Let's cut them out of our market and let's see how they do in the long run. Yeah, I, I, I sympathize with your view entirely. This is still the United States of America, 
and we have to bring to bear the force of our values, our beliefs, and this, and confidence in this system, uh, the the great American system, and and come to a, a resolution. Hakeem uh, Jeffries is my congressman, Lou. He doesn't give a damn about anybody but himself. He's well, let's pretty- be honest. He he doesn't he doesn't give a damn. He hates every one of these people, and he means to punish them. That's right. He's a Marxist. Uh, he is as anti-American as one could possibly imagine. Uh, these are the realities. You know, Joe, I, I, we're going to give you the last word here, as we always do. Uh, ask for your concluding thoughts, what anybody can do. Uh, but everything you're doing, we, we applaud. Uh, it, I have to tell you, it, it sickens me to think of how little we can do. Uh, but God bless you for doing all that you can uh, for these political prisoners. Thank, thank you so much, Lou. God bless you and all your readers. Uh, if you're inclined to follow me in my work, you can find me at McBride Law NYC across all social media platforms. I update them all daily with different uh, types of information regarding our cases. If you're inclined to give uh, to our work, McBrideLawNYC.com, click on the January 6th tab, and you can find a global fund that will go to where it's needed most in our January 6th related cases. I want to say a special thanks to Speaker McCarthy for, um, you know, I can't remember the last time a politician said he was going to do something and then followed up on it soon. Everybody is not happy with the way that he's released the information, but releasing the footage to Tucker Carlson is a very good way to get it disseminated to the public in a way that makes sense. And his office has also granted me permission, one of the lawyers, and is now beginning in the process of granting other lawyers the ability to go in and to look at this footage. Um, absent Speaker McCarthy's uh, yes to us, we would still be locked out of this, of this information. We were told by the Department of Justice that there was about... 14,000 hours of CCTV footage available to us. Speaker McCarthy's office is making 41,000 hours available to us. The DOJ has been lying to you. It's been lying to me and the American public the entire time. And we will leave no stone unturned in the pursuit of justice so long as myself and my team are on the case. Speaker McCarthy has been, and I said you get the last word. I'm going to get the last question, and you will get the, the, the last word, I assure you, Joe. Uh, Speaker McCarthy has been criticized for giving it to one outlet, uh, and that is Fox News. Is there not a better way to get this material in front of all the lawyers who are trying to get their clients free? Is there not a better way to get the, have the American people informed than through one, uh, one gatekeeper? There, there, there is a better way, and uh, I share your sentiment, and I believe Speaker McCarthy does too. It boils down to the way that the January 6th committee turned over the information to him. They gave it to him on an old-school kiosk plugged into a wall inside of the Capitol building with no real way to reproduce it right away. So a system has to be developed in order for that to happen. So as a matter of first impression, he said, what lawyer and what person from the TV industry can I get out there to start letting people see this information? I think given the fact that I've been given access as an attorney that opens the door to the legal community. I think given the fact that Tucker Carlson and his team has been given the access that opens the door to the entire private sector. It, it, open, on, it opens the door, Joe, but what I'm talking about is opening wide the floodgates because all of that video, as you well know, and this by the way, is not all of the video. Why is there some of the video held back? 
because uh, the January 6th committee turned over what they turned over to him. They didn't turn over everything. So I know he's committed to finding out everything. But can, we- I ask, can I ask a question? Of course. How can they still have control of the video? They do not exist any longer. No, that's a great question. And what they did was in wrapping up and leaving like a like a case file and, and, and the information for him to go over, they gave them what they gave Speaker McCarthy what they gave him. But what they gave him is the CCTV footage and they gave him a hundred boxes with papers in it. They cut out everything else. So all the video, all the audio that you heard that animated all their hearings, they did not include that in what they turned over to him because they're materially dishonest people. Eventually, well, he they, okay, but they're but they're materially smarter, apparently, than the Republicans. So what I'm asking you, uh, Tucker Carlson is a is a solution. And I and by the way, I think as a first step, that's fine. But what is needed is a technologist who knows how to record to expand that uh, those documents. Uh, and those files into video across a wide uh, area. This is a technology issue, not a journalistic or a programming issue. I agree with you 100%. So as soon as we were given access and as soon as I was able to confirm that a member of the public, Tucker and his people were given access, what I did straight away in Ryan Nichols's case was I filed a continuance motion. And I said, hey, judge, we need to pump the brakes on this case that's supposed to go to trial on March 27th. We we have been given access. We need to go through this. And because a member of the public has also been given access, Judge, I'm going to ask you to lift the protective orders on this case. And if you lift the protective order on this case, we are going to take all of our information, publish it, and crowdsource the technology to get the entire concerned public on the case to help us get down to the truth. That is the first thing I did. As soon as I knew I had access... I filed that motion that night. What was the ruling? Uh, we're still outstanding. I'm waiting to hear from it possibly today or, or sometime this week. But as soon as I know, I will let you know because we are chomping at the bit looking for looking for a, a, a an answer on that one. Well, I know that you're looking for answers on, on so much. Uh, it, it's got to be at moments overwhelming, even to a, a terrific attorney like you. Uh, but we, uh, again... We applaud you for all of your efforts in behalf of your clients and all of the January 6th political prisoners. Joe McBride, thank you, my friend. Great American. Thank you, Lou. Our thanks to Joe McBride for all he's doing for his clients and the other J6 political prisoners of the Biden regime. Let's turn now to another great American. She's Congresswoman Claudia Tenney of New York. She's a two-term congresswoman, a member of the powerful House Ways and Means Committee, and sits on the Science, Space, and Technology Committee as well. Welcome back, Congresswoman. Great to have you with us. Putin has escalated Russia's war with Ukraine. Now China's Xi is directly confronting the Biden White House. Biden's foreign policy seems to be failing across the board. Your thoughts? Well, first of all, uh, I'm very concerned about what's happening around the world and the projection of weakness. And we're seeing more and more happen uh, uh, from our enemies, whether it's China, Russia, uh, Iran, whether it's openly or surreptitiously using uh, Russia or China uh, behind the scenes uh, as a behind the scenes player. But I'm very concerned about where we're going, and we could be careening into a really dangerous situation for the United States because we have a feckless president who is run by staff that are weak and uh, really don't understand the, the real seriousness of what's happening around the world. Yeah, it's uh, 
Congresswoman, it's really very difficult right now for me because I've called this man what he is uh, for some time. He is an impaired president. He's a puppet president. And there is no way in the world that there is any integrity in the national left-wing corporate media that it treats this man as if he were a normal uh, leader sitting in the Oval Office of the, the White House. Do you agree? Oh, I, I think this, every time I see Joe Biden on, and I'm full disclosure, I'm where you are, Lou. I have never been a fan of Joe Biden. I've always thought he was a talentless, feckless, phony, uh, using his uh, leverage and his position to, you know, enrich his friends and his family. All of this is coming to, 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 to truth. And so many Democrats know it. I mean, all the things he says that it would be, uh, look racist and sexist and, you know, from, an, from any, from a Republican, these would be considered just completely off the rails. But the Democrats act as if the emperor has no clothes. They just keep going on, oh, this is great. Look, it isn't, didn't Joe do great today? And it's almost like, I think the American people are starting to get it. They're like, wait a minute, like, why are you defending this? But the problem is a lot of people see the alternative is Kamala Harris who is equally just another career politician, very feckless, not really, has no gravitas. Where's she going? And there really aren't any alternatives. You've got a phony in Gavin Newsom who's out there trying to emerge. And the Democrats really have no place to turn. And that's where I see a huge problem. And, you know, right now, all we have is the leadership on the Republican side in a very, very slim majority. And right now we're sticking together. But when you see, and, I, and this is just my vantage point as a New Yorker, when you see what is happening uh, in the House of Representatives and the minority side, you have someone who is hatched out of the New York State Assembly, which has its own set of like really egregious rules, lack of uh, respect for the minority and people who are in rural and suburban areas. And the other leader on, and the actual majority leader in the Senate is Chuck Schumer, who was also hatched in the New York State Assembly. You know, the, the kind of rules that we saw in place when Nancy Pelosi was leader resembled what I saw in the state assembly when I was a member there. Uh, completely uh, an abuse of power, no respect for the citizens, the taxpayers, and they do what they can because they can get away with it. And the media completely supports them and will go to, to lengths to censor, censor big tech censorship uh, to whatever level it takes to perpetuate false narratives whether it's the 51 former intelligence officers who declared with certainty that Hunter Biden's laptop was definitely a Russian disinformation uh, campaign, shutting down the New York Post, uh, Twitter conferring with, uh, with FBI about who to censor and which conservatives and Republicans, the vaccine uh, and the COVID emergencies and the COVID falsities, lack of science. I mean, you, could, you and I, we could go on about what is going on in our country. I think people are starting to wake up, but what concerns me is our education system is churning out students who believe this stuff. They don't have critical thinking skills. They don't look and see further that the media is supposed to have not only certain privileges under the First Amendment, but they have certain obligations and they're not meeting those. That's what really concerns me. And the reason they have those obligations and the reason they have those privileges is because they're supposed to enable us as a self-governing constitutional republic. We are supposed to govern ourselves. And I feel like we are at a turning point uh, where, you know, the Democrats say inflection point. I see this very similar to what Lincoln faced uh, when he saw the Civil War and what's happening with our country. 
And the real question of the day is, can we be self-governing or are we going to be overrun and taken our, have our freedoms taken away by these endless amounts of bureaucrats that the Democrats keep churning out, whether it's 87,000 new IRS agents, uh, endless bureaucracies being added on all these uh, alphabet uh, soup kind of uh, bureaucracies in Washington. The same thing happens in Albany. And these people are crowding out our rights, and we're not able to really do anything about it. Well, we've chosen, I agree, not to do something about it as a people, and that has to change or this country is lost. Uh, you are uh, you sit on one of the most important committees to me, in the, uh, on two of the most important committees in point of fact, uh, Ways and Means, and Space, uh, Science, Space, and Technology. I want to talk about space and science and technology just for a moment because it looks to me like uh, there's some very serious issues facing our military, uh, our just about every agency you can think of that is involved in either homeland security or uh, the defense of the nation. And that is the inability to detect balloons that are the size of three buses, uh, their payload at least, uh, and inability then uh, to fire a sidewinder missile in close proximity to a target, uh, a balloon for crying out loud, and miss it, a, a missile that costs $400,000. Uh, and in the case of the F-22s being fired from platforms, those aircraft cost over $300 million each. And we don't seem to have a clue, or at least our leaders are clueless and are not sharing with the American people what's happened here. Basic questions are not being answered. From what base in China did they come from? When did they launch? And then we're being told by the Biden administration and the Pentagon that these are not, these are, I repeat, are not Chinese balloons. But meanwhile, the PRC is threatening retaliation against the United States because they acknowledge they were their balloons. How stupid can we get? How unartful can we get with uh, what is supposed to be advanced technology when we don't even get a, an intelligent reason for why a Sidewinder missile was fired at a target that could have been taken down and in better form with a 20-millimeter cannon burst? Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I think you're, you're hitting on some really important themes there. One of them is I don't believe that we don't have the capacity or the ability to know that these balloons are there. In fact, we may have known. But I think that our bureaucrats have been focused on things that aren't important, whether it's woke culture, whether it's making sure we have, you know, diversity and in, in, in these agencies that are, some of them are part, Department of Defense, some of them are, are subunits of the Department of Defense where they should be a truly merit-based area where we're dealing with the defense of our nation and our nation, many other nations depend on us. And think about this. Remember, everybody laughed when President Trump wanted to create the Space Force. But the Space Force is important because the Chinese have been spying on us for years without even having to go into space. They've stolen our intellectual property. They've, been, they've moved into our, our universities with Confucius Institutes. They've moved into our, our spaces in terms of working with our American companies, either in China or, uh, or, in, or in the United States. And we've been very naive about all these things. They, they fired a, a hypersonic missile around the Earth, and we didn't even know about it until they put out a press release. So I think we have the ability. We just don't have our eye on the ball. We're not focused on the things that matter. And I think that, that's what I'm really concerned about. 
And what kind of judgment this is where we have this buffoon. I, I, I emphasize, I agree with you, Lou, a buffoon in office who doesn't, re, doesn't know how to react to this balloon that we knew about, by the way, the evidence now reveals that we knew about this balloon when it was actually taking off, when it went across the Aleutian Islands into our airspace and into Alaska. We could have shot this balloon down much earlier, but we allowed it to traverse our entire continent. And then we used it, it was like, you know, shooting uh, fish in a barrel with nuclear weapons, you know, wasting taxpayers' money on the, on the technology and the information we've spent. When you say, I mean, honestly, you probably could have shot down some of those balloons with a 50 cal. You don't even need to have a cannon. So right. this is the kind of stuff that is what you get when you have a buffoon career politician who has no common sense and whom, to whom the people report to him either don't have common sense or they're afraid to tell him the truth because he doesn't really have the right answers. And this is part of the issue where we have a civilian command, our military report to a civilian command by design because we didn't want a military tyranny, but we have to put competent people in these leadership positions, people who can make decisions, people who understand the economy, they understand foreign power, they understand foreign affairs, they understand the military, and, and we're moving away from that. We're getting these career politicians you know, whether it's Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Blinken, Schumer, I'm just listing off the top five who are in the succession order here. Uh, other, you know, we had Nancy Pelosi. Thankfully, at least we have a Republican in the mix now with Kevin McCarthy with a very slim majority. So, yeah, I, I am really worried about this. But again, you can go to every aspect of our lives. Look at what students are learning in school. They aren't learning the basics and how to, you know, be self-sufficient. Uh, how to think for themselves. Everything is about what government can do for you. And you think about it, why aren't the Democrats who revere someone like a JFK, you know, John F. Kennedy, who said that, you know, we need to look at what we can do for our government, not what the government can do for us. And, and he meant, I think what he really means by that is we're back to self-governance. It's self-governance or it's communism. And the communists are winning. This is what the Chinese Communist Party is doing. They're dividing and conquering. They're getting us off, uh, you know, off our stride, these balloons, one of them, a couple of them may have been real surveillance balloons. One may be decoys. And now they've got the Biden administration scrambling over something that we should be focusing on the fact that they're still pushing their Belt and Road Initiative. They're still leveraging countries and companies around the world uh, to come to their aid. And we are sitting here not knowing what to do with ourselves because we don't have leadership. Yeah, it, it, we don't have leaders. I, I mean, let's be real honest. We don't have leaders. It's not about leadership. This is about leaders, men and women with triple-digit IQs, uh, big hearts and really steely spines who believe in this country, our Constitution, and mean for this country to, uh, to reach its destiny and full potential and equal opportunity for every American, but not equal outcomes. That is beyond the power of either government or anyone other than God. And we have to come to terms with that. And these are, you use the word communist. Indeed, you're right. The Democrat Party is no longer a party of loyal opposition. It is a Marxist, dim, led Democrat Party that is no better than a fifth column in this country working against everything that is fundamentally American, founding values, our Constitution, uh, the American way of life. And, and, and until the Republicans understand that this is a war. It is nothing less than that with China until they understand that they are a one party standing up for 
this country, and they cannot for any reason rationalize further the actions, the behavior, the conduct, and the agenda of the Marxist Dems. Uh, I'll leave it with you for the, your concluding thoughts. We are delighted to have yeah, you with I us. Mean, I we think, always give our guests the, the last word. I think we have, I, I mean, personally, I think we have people out there. I think President Trump proved that he was a great leader. I think Ron DeSantis has proven he's been a strong leader. I think Josh Hawley, Tom, Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, uh, we have great leaders uh, that I think I look up to in, in our house right now. Uh, people like Ronnie Jackson, who are willing to state and tell the truth about things. We have a lot of good conservatives who are out there fighting the fight. Uh, Michael Waltz, who's on top of these issues with China. I think a lot of these people are trying to emerge and, and move to the top in our in our country. But we don't necessarily have to have a perfect leadership because Federalist 10 said enlightened statesmen will not always be at the helm. But when the rest of the system is eroded, and all we have left is this really this uh, authoritarianism and the, the domination by the top, you lose the ability of leaders to emerge. And that's what concerns me is we have never been in this position. And I think, and I agree exactly with you, this is communism. I lived in the former Yugoslavia. It was a communist country. Although it was a lovely place in many ways, it was a communist country. If you disagreed with Tito, you ended up on a barren island in the middle of the Adriatic Sea. All the qualities of communism were there, and I watched the, the, as you say, the equity versus the equality of opportunity and the dangerousness and what it does to the human spirit and the human ingenuity. And I saw that. I watched it, and it's very, very hard to emerge out of that, which is why you see these former communist countries struggling. And it's very hard, to, to once you sink into it, to bring yourself back out of it. And that's where we need to start recognizing it and calling it what it is, as you are. It is communism. It is contrary to everything our Constitution is about. And we as Americans need to come uh, get together and call it out. We can't just say, oh, the NBA has got a lot of money it's making, you know, while they abuse their own citizens, the Uyghurs. And, and uh, you know, kudos to Ennis Freedom, Freedom and people like that who stood up against these people and given up their ability to make money, given up their ability to have gainful employment in, in their chosen field and have to do something else. Uh, recognize the brave Iranian women who are standing up against a brutal regime that's murdering people in their own in their in their streets. This is the kind of stuff that we've got to look to. Those are the heroes that are out there that are going to save the day, not these bureaucrats like Joe Biden and some of these athletes who have really sold their souls to this. We are not about we are about business, but we're about ingenuity and we're about the human spirit. And I think we're we're losing that. And I think you're exactly right about communism. I think we just need to stop talking about it and explain to people what it means. Because people say, oh, what's so bad? Communism isn't bad. Our, our schools, our colleges are telling students these are good things. You know, I just read my, and I don't mean to carry on, but I just read my college alumni magazine all about how they're going to be having drag queen events and things like that so students can feel empowered and express themselves. Is that necessary when you're spending $80,000 a year to go to some of these private colleges? Isn't that something you should do on your own while you're in entertainment? Is that what you're going to school to learn? And that's what really concerns me is how we've gotten off, uh, off the beaten path here. We're not really focused on critical thinking and the skills we need to be self-governing and to save the country. The last thing the Marxist Dems want, Congresswoman, is a highly educated, knowledgeable electorate and citizenry. They mean exactly what they're doing, and that is to spend the United States into oblivion and to look at it as nothing more than uh, ashes in the dustbin of history 
because they mean that to be the result. It is their agenda. And we are playing along, and I don't know how long it's going to take the Republican Party or if they will ever come to terms with the reality that faces everyday working men and women in the middle class of this country. The hell with the party of business. This is the party of the American people, working men and women, our middle class, the party that was created by Donald Trump. And the damn fools who think that they have <laughs> that they have a better idea in the Republican Party is they're a waste of time, and I assure you of that. I promise you the last word, but I had to put in a few of my own. Uh, yeah. Your thoughts? I agree. I think we're on the same page. We really do need to fight. We have Donald Trump taught us we're in a war. We need to continue to fight. And just you know, I look at the three big things: the economy is where they want to destroy us. Uh, they want to destroy us on energy. That's, you know, real vulnerability. It's the key to prosperity, and that's a good way to destroy us when and the left is uh, really hurting us there. And elections, and that's what we've learned, uh, and I learned the hard way uh, as, as with tough elections. But if we don't do something about elections, if we don't start recognizing, fight where we can fight and change the rules like we've done in Florida and some other states, and then in uh, states where we can't change the rules, we've got to do a better job than the Democrats in collecting ballots. And, you know, if, if, when people in Pennsylvania say to you, when you say, why did you vote or why did you vote for John Fetterman? And they say, who is John Fetterman? That means we have a problem. And lots of them. Congresswoman Tenney, thank you so much for being with us here on The Great America Show. We appreciate it as always. Come back soon and God bless you. Great. Thank you so much. And God bless you for fighting the good fight. Thanks to Congresswoman Claudia Tenney and J6 defense attorney Joe McBride. Great Americans, we thank them for joining us, and we thank you for joining us as well. Our guest tomorrow is Devin Nunes, the Chief Executive Officer of Trump Media and Technology Group, the fastest-growing social media company in the world. Till then, God bless you, and God bless America.